everyone's favorite segment, except for mine. <laughs> yeah. It's... Light the views. Rockets roundup time. My vote... I'm like Bismarcky with these sound effects coming out of my mouth. Nobody beats the biz, baby. Oh, yeah. He passed away recently, right? He did. Yeah, rest in peace. He, he, R.I.P. Uh, biz. He, he's one of my favorite 80s rappers, definitely. Uh, he, he's got some funny, funny stuff. Yes, Biz Marquee. From Biz Marquee to Biz Mac Biombo, we now find ourselves in the city of Houston for this episode's Rockets Roundup. Our first topic is going to be Kevin Porter Jr., who I am going to start calling Mr. Outburst, because sometimes you'll have outbursts, on the sidelines and in the locker room. And sometimes he'll have outbursts on the court, but he's really one of these players where the good te- and the bad tend to come in bursts and everything in between kind of is just, eh, meh. Yep. So this is the only question that really matters. Is Kevin Porter Jr. worth it? I doubt it. You know, I doubt it. Uh, here, here, here's what's been uh, getting my goat uh, and the gout jokes are too obvious, but here, here's, here's what's been aggravating me a little bit about Rockets Twitter and Kevin Porter Jr. lately is that like, it's the goalpost moving, man, because everybody said he was a point guard, right? That, that was like the, you know, you, you, you're a pariah if you said that he wasn't a point guard. At, at, I, know. At I, I fucking dealt with it. Yeah, you dealt with it worse than I did. But yeah. Um, and by now, it's actually pretty popular to say that he's not a point guard. Like like that, the, the consensus amongst the fan base has really shifted, right? Um, but so now if, if you suggest that he's not a starting caliber player, what I'm finding a lot of people are saying is, no, man, we just need, you know, he's a wing. He's a catch and shoot guy. And like, it's like... Man, how many times can this kid change his role before we realize that he's just, like, not an excellent, like, he's not a starting caliber NBA player? I also think, I don't understand why people are so desperate to have him start, because there are six men in the league, or there have been, who are higher on a team's pecking order than, like, the fifth starter. You know what I mean? Like, to say that he's a sixth man, it's, it's not an insult, but no, I don't think he's a 3 and D wing. Uh, like, he's improved on defense to the point that he's probably like an average defender and he's hitting like 37% of his three balls. That's just quite good, but there are better three and D wings out there when it's time to win the championship, like, or, or compete for the championship. You know, it, it, people are just so attached to him, man. They're so attached to him. It's like, Oh, okay. He's not a point guard. Well, now he's a three and D wing. It's like, Nah, bro, like Cody Martin's about to be a free agent. And like, like 2023, 24 season, uh, Kelly Oubre, Dylan Brooks, like all these guys are, are free agents. Like we need to get a three and D wing. Like his natural role is six man. And if he can't, I know I didn't really answer the question directly. So just to do that. If, if, you, if he, you said not, not really. Well, I answered it extremely directly and then I didn't elaborate, I guess. So <laughs> like just to elaborate uh, quickly, if he can't get his shit together, he's not worth anything. He's just not nearly good enough to be to be having outbursts on a regular basis. And and I feel for the fact that the kid has real mental health problems. But at a certain point, it's like we're trying to run an NBA team here. There's a lot of money on the line, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of money on the line for him too. That's like that's the other yeah. thing, right? Like this isn't helping him at all. <laughs> the thing that I find confusing is people keep not wanting him to be what he clearly is. He's not a fucking three and D wing. He's not big enough. 
Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but like, he's just not fucking big enough to be a three and D wing. Like those guys need to be able to cover guys that are like six foot seven, six foot nine sometimes. And he's just not big enough to do that. He's also not a point guard, which I, from the get go was saying, cause I go look like point guard is the most difficult position in the NBA. And he wasn't that in high school. He wasn't that in college. And he wasn't that when he first came into the league, like, there is a reason he wasn't a point guard and like, it doesn't get easier when you get to this level, it gets harder. So if you weren't able to do it, then you're not going to be able to do it now unless, you know, you're, there's like some crazy developmental arc. Right. But he's not three and D wing either. I think he's just a two guard. And the problem yeah. is, is it the Rockets have a two guard who's a rookie, but they drafted the second overall pick who's already fucking better than him, like significantly. Like it's not even close. Like it's so clear that Jalen Green is better. And for me, the big thing that stands out with Kevin Porter Jr. is the dude fucking hasn't gotten better. I I don't want to hear that he's learning the position. Bro, if he's learning the position, there are like easy gains to be made at that position because you're fucking learning it. And like, you're starting so behind the curve that like a little bit of an improvement goes a long way. Cause you're starting out so fucking low and he really hasn't improved as a point guard. What we've learned is if he wants to be able to pass the ball and try to pass like a point guard, he turns the ball over a bunch. Was he do- done to limit the turnovers? He just doesn't pass as much and doesn't try to actually create in a way that you want a point guard to. He can't do self-creation. Statistically, he's been horrible at it. When he tries to finish at the rim, he's been bad at it. His floater game has completely abandoned him. He's a catch-and-shoot guy. And like I go, he's a catch-and-shoot guy. He's Gerald fucking Green. Gerald Green was like a role player in the NBA, right? Maybe he's more upside than that because he might have a better handle than Green did. But I just think it's like, look, six-man probably is a good role for him. Yeah. Right. Six man probably a good role for him, but he's probably, if he's going to start, he's got to be a two guard and he'll, he could be a decent defensive guy. I just, I just don't see the thing is to me is people go, he's a great athlete. And I'm like, all these guys are fucking great athletes. <laughs> like, like what are he's we not doing? really standout athlete, man? And like, he isn't. Yeah. And he isn't a crazy, crazy athlete. No, he's not. Yeah. He's good. Of course. As you say, you know, most of these guys are really good athletes. He also doesn't have a bag, right? Like that's the other thing is like his ball handling ability is really, really, really weak. Like he can do a step back, but what else, like what other move does he have to get a shot off? Yeah, no, not much. He's got a little bit of a layout package, but like he doesn't, but like it's the thing but is, he, but he doesn't, he doesn't get there. there. He has trouble getting there. there. And he also has trouble finishing. Like all the numbers show he has severe trouble finishing at the rim. Yeah. So it's just like, to me, it's like, what are we doing here? And I think, and I've said this to you before, I think the main reason why the Rockets fans got so attached to him is partially it's like they had such a shit season and, you know, like he's the unwanted stepchild in Cleveland. And so like, there's that kinship between like, he's some shit, we're some shit, but we'll be great together. Like, you know, we'll like, we'll build up from the bottom. But I I fundamentally think the only reason Rockets fans are so sold on him is because the trade to get him, they gave up like nothing. And they just so desperately want to win that trade. And I'm like, yo, you won the trade. He's probably an NBA quality player. And you gave up basically no real asset to get him that you won the trade already. 
But to think like winning the trade doesn't mean we gave up nothing and got an all-star. Like what the fuck? You don't give up nothing and get an all-star. Like sure. Chris Middleton happens every once in a while. Who's like a throw in, but he ain't fucking Chris Middleton. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. It's I, I think you're spot on with that. Like it's, it's almost like, no, never mind. That analogy is flawed, but yeah, I think what you, I think what you're saying is spot on. It's like when, when, when a team gets a steal, the fan base then needs it to be like a bigger steal than it even is. It's the same thing with Shang to a yeah. degree, right? Yeah. Where it's like, like he obviously is a better player than the 16th overall pick. Right. And yeah, that's, that's, that's huge. That's huge. Steal. That doesn't mean he's going to be an all NBA player. Like I have high hopes that he could maybe get there potentially, but like, I would say like you get a guy at 16, he ends up being an all-star. That's a massive steal, but like, I'm still not sure if Shangun is going to be an all-star. There's a lot of positive indicators, but they're also like things that you look at and you say, well, this could hold him back. Like he struggles finishing in the paint against size. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No. So it's a mixed bag, right? It, it's TBD, but like, you know, if you say, that you don't think he's going to be a future all-star. There are enough people on Rockets Twitter that are like coming for your head, you know? And it's like, dude, we don't know if he's a future all-star. And at the 16th overall pick, that is absolutely to be expected. You know, like the fact that you're even questioned, like the fact that we, you're like, I don't know means it's a, a really good pick because you're saying, I don't know. doesn't mean there's no way. Are you yeah. fucking stupid? It means we'll see, like, I'm not sold on it yet, but like, but like, you know, like it could still it's not possible. happen, but it's possible. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, now we're digressing, but that's all right. But, and we should get into the draft topic soon. Uh, yes. Yeah. But I want to say this about Shangun. He's just one of these players with like, it's very polarizing in terms of like his strengths are extremely strong and his weaknesses are extremely weak. Right. Like, like he's got some of the best low post footwork in the league already, in my opinion. Like you don't see those kind of moves very much anymore. Uh, partly because it's, it's not a very fashionable way to play which is one of the concerns, you know, but like he does that extremely well. Uh, and he's already one of the three or four best passing big men in the league. The, the only one I would say is definitively better is, is big honey, you know, oh, yeah. outside of that. I don't know if there's a center in the league who is like clearly a better passer. So that's amazing. But the downside is, you know, nobody plays through the low post for a reason. And he's probably never going to be a good defender. He certainly isn't now. And it, it, it's likely that he won't be. So it, yeah. it, it's a mixed bag, you know? It's, it's likely he won't be a good defender in the traditional way that centers are asked to be good defenders. Yeah. Because he is already good at getting steals, right? So, like, he sure. is he's good at certain things that you don't normally ask your big men to be good at. Which, I mean, maybe if, like, he gets better lateral mobility, you could almost put him on fours on defense, um, Maybe. if you have like a stretch five, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm not, I'm not out on Shangun just because like, no. he's, he's, I, I say this all the time. He's six months younger than Jalen green. Yeah. Like that's, Look, he's really young. Let me, let me say this. I, I, I think that there were three and I say this in hindsight, but there were three pressing questions heading into the rocket season. Right. Which is like, does Jalen green have superstar potential? Does Albert Shangun have all-star potential? And is Kevin Porter Jr. A point guard? Those are kind of the three big questions in my opinion. And the answers, answers. What, what's that? They've all been answered. Yeah. And the answers are, well, I don't know. The answers to me are yes, maybe no. Well, no. So when I say it's like, does he have, does Jalen green have superstar potential? Does Albert Shangun have all-star potential? And does, or is Kevin Porter Jr. point guard? Jalen Green can still become a superstar. He has shown recently that like there is that that door is still open, which is good because his first four months in the league that door looked shut. 
right? Like I, I showed you the data. It's like, I was saying like, if he doesn't improve dramatically, there's very little precedent for a player like him becoming with these metrics this early on becoming a superstar. Granted he's moved up in that. So it's like, okay, that, that door, the superstar potential door was closed and it's opening back up again, which is like, you know, is he, the question is, he's not going to be a superstar until he's a superstar, but like the door is still open. So that's a yes. Like, and I think that's all that matters is that that door is still open. Shingun, 20 minutes into his career, you're like all-star potential. Yes. Like, you know, that was answered right away. Kemper Jr. Three games in, no, not a point guard. Like he can't turn the ball over that much. Like I don't give a fuck. Right. Like, boom. Yeah. The thing is, is people don't like, you always hear like, oh, well, he's only 21. Why are you writing him off? And it's like, well, it's because he's starting from such a low bar. You know, it's like, it's like, could I run across the world in 10 minutes? Like, don't write it off, but it's not very likely. That's stupid. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, he's so far from being a starting level NBA point guard that it's like, yeah, I mean, I guess technically he could go on to win MVP awards at the point guard spot, but like it's at this point, it looks pretty clear that he's not an NBA point guard. Not. He's not like, we, I'm going to beat this horse to death. He's not, he's just, he, no one thought he was. And then the Rockets said, let's, yes. let's give him a run in the G League. People go, oh, his G League stats were great. You go actually look at his G League stats. They weren't that great. He had the highest usage rate. And so, of course, he's going to like put up decent assist numbers. Of course, he's going to put up decent scoring numbers. But none of the efficiency markers were good. Isaiah Thomas is dropping like 50 fucking points yeah. in the G League. And like he's barely an NBA player. Like, I'm sorry. Like Jalen Green was like, yeah, Jalen Green was like, kind of like a pretty efficient player in the G league last year. And it took him four months to not be the worst player in the NBA, right? Like the G league, don't give me G league stats and t- tell me anything. They don't, they literally don't matter. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me have one more thought about KPJ, right? <laughs> it's a matter of the burden of proof, right? Like if you want to claim that KPJ is a point guard, fine, but you, you had to explain why, because the evidence points to he isn't all i have to say is kevin porter jr is not a point guard and my point is already made you know what i mean go go look at the numbers yes yes and that is things like it to me the kevin porter jr thing is weird because everyone's making excuses for him it was daniel tice's fault that he sucked in the early goings really yeah. Really, it's Daniel Tice's fault. He's he's helping the Celtics, who very well might win the championship this year. They might make it out of the East. Like that's how good the Celtics have been. He's helping them be really good. Now he's not playing the four. I don't think he's like it. It, it was it was stupid to have him at the four. Was, although maybe it was tanking. <laughs> and no, but my point is like Daniel Tice at the four shouldn't make you bad at being a point guard if you're a point guard, right? Like, if fundamentally, yeah, it's that's like, right. You know, it was his fault. Oh, well, he's learning the position. Oh, he's only played 70-some games. I'm like, dude, playing games is a good indicator of being good when you're young, right? Like, that's a good indicator. If you're not playing a lot of games when you're young, that tells us something about how people view you. Also, this is the final thing about this. I need people to shut the fuck up about playing games as if NBA games is where NBA players get better. They get better at practice. They get better in the off season. They get better in the weight room. They put in all that practice and where they unveil all the hard work is in the games. 
But this notion that these rookies, if they don't play 35 minutes a night or, oh, until they get 100 games played, like, you know, none of this really fucking matters. That's not true. Ken Porter Jr. has a fuckload of practices. He's had three off seasons, or I guess two off seasons. And it's like, if he isn't better, it's because he's not getting better. He wasn't good enough to begin with. Right. Like that, that stuff bugs me. Cause it's like, I don't think it's like, have you ever played a sport in your life? You don't, you're not in a game and you're like, you know what, man, I've never really tried this hesitation step back before. Let me just see if this fucking shit works in the yeah. NBA first time. No one does that. They practice that shit a million times before it comes out in the game. Right. Like anyone that's played a high level of sports, knows that you don't do shit on the court that you haven't practiced. Yeah. Let's, let's move on to the draft talk. Uh, because I, yes. I got like, I, I, I should wrap up in like five minutes and, uh, you know, oh. we both got a lot of bones to pick with, with, with rockets, Twitter. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's toxic. The guys who do, I was, I was thinking it's like, uh, web designers, video game designers. They're just like, I'm going to make something that is so fucking toxic. All of it. It's amazing. <laughs> okay. Rockets draft time because they are drafted in the top five unless some horrible winning streak occurs to end the game. Okay, James, I'm just going to ask you real quick. We're going to go pick by pick. And if the Rockets have that pick, who would you like them to pick with that pick? Pretty yeah, simple. okay. Let's see. Yeah. Pick number one. Who are you? Who would you take if you were the Houston Rockets? Ted Holmgren. Do you think it needs much? Give me a 30 second explanation of why that's why I, cause I'd also do that. What's your yeah. 30 second explanation on that? I, I think he has the highest ceiling in the draft. I, I I think he's the only especially unique player in the draft. And, and I had this theory that uniqueness lends itself to stardom, you know, like, like he just, he's extremely mobile and fluid for a guy, his height, the fluidity, especially, uh, you know, to, to me, what I see once he puts 20 pounds on or whatever is an elite rim protector, an elite drop coverage center who can be a second or third option on offense. And, and like having a defensive anchor that's also a two way player is extremely valuable. And I just think he's got the highest ceiling in the draft, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And the thing I love about him is that like I think he will, he's one of these guys. And this is, I've talked about with superstar players. Like I like guys that make, rosters work and i think he's one of these unique guys where it's like i think he could play next to alper and shangun on offense and defense right like i think he's mobile enough to kind of cover fours and be a weak side guy right and so like that to me is what i like is that he can he can be a threat defensively and offensively at all three levels and like that's that makes lineups work is it the perfect fitting with him and shangun who knows? But I think like it could work in theory, which is all you want when you have a guy that you think could be an all-star and a guy who you hope could be an MVP. Number two pick. If you were the Raphael Stone and you got the number two overall pick, who are you taking? I'm taking Jabari Smith Jr. So, I mean, I'm pretty much sticking to a lot of the consensus takes right now. I, I think the comparison between Bari and Paulo Bancaro is – interesting and instructive i think that paulo in a sense has a higher floor because i i, I believe paulo bancaro 
is like going to be a star player in the NBA. I just believe that he's going to be a low level star. And I, I believe he's going to be the type of player that you commit 35 million a year to 40 million a year to. And then a few years into that contract, you realize like, fuck man, uh, now we're strapped and he he's not living up to that. Right. Like, uh, you know, maybe a Blake Griffin type or something like, Ooh, I know, no, Blake Griffin was good. Injuries. Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin was, was good. Really okay. Well, good. I don't think he's ever going to be Blake Griffin. Like peak Blake Griffin. People forget was like a real good player. That's about, you're right. It's a bad example. Well, Julius Randall, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like no, Ju- I agree with that. Juwan Howard, you know, like, like one of these guys, yes. it's like, there it yeah, you know, like, it's like, okay. Yeah. He's a star level player, but he's like, not a high level star. So if he's one of your two or three max contract slots, you know, one of your real building blocks, uh, you, you hamstring your team. Right. So that's my concern with Paulo. I don't really see a guy that's likely to be like, like a top 20 player. I I see a surefire top 30 player, you know, whereas Levi Smith jr. I think like has the potential to be much better than that. He also has the potential to be lower than that, but his floor is probably a really high level three and D wing. So to me, I'm like, I would rather take the guy that could be an elite role player and could be a superstar over the guy that like almost certainly will be an all-star, but doesn't have uh, those foundational tools. Do you know what I'm saying? No, no, I, I, I get it. And I agree. Like, I think Jabari Smith, I would take him as well over Paolo, but I'm not a big Paolo fan. He like Jabari, Jabari Smith has like physical advantages that will follow him to the NBA. Yeah. He, people are like, Oh, he can't dribble. I'm like, it's true. He can't dribble, but you know, if you can shoot really well, you guess who also doesn't dribble clay Thompson, right? Like yeah. he ends up becoming a really good shooter and he looks like he'll probably be, I mean, I think this with his size and lateral mobility at worst, he will be an average defender unless well, he'll he's be like, better than an average defender. I think. And that's what I'm saying. Like that's at worst. Like, yeah, that's like, worst. If, like yeah. you know, like he, he'll be an average defender without fucking trying. Right. Right. So like, to me, it's like his floor is really valuable. It's like, Oh, this is a, a two-way player. Can, does he, is he going to guarantee you have a big role on offense? No. But like, if you're the Rockets, you just drafted a, a, a shooting guard number two overall last year. Like you don't necessarily need a guy who needs to be the focal point of the offense. Yeah. And like you said, like the upside, like if he gets a bit of a handle, who fucking knows? Like this dude could be like Kevin Durant. He could, he could be an MVP candidate if he gets a handle. It's a huge if because the handle, yeah, is kind of one of the harder skills to develop like at this stage in a player's career, but you can't rule it out. I think it's easier to develop your handle to the point that he would need because he has such a good shooter and he has so many physical advantages. Like he doesn't need to be Kyrie Irving. He just needs to like not get bitched by the university of Miami. (laughs) Okay. Let's move on to the number three pick. If you had the third pick, who are you taking? If you're the Rockets. I'm begrudgingly taking Paulo Bancaro. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not big on him. I'm not high on him, Mm -hmm. but at this point with the available options, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, to be honest with you, what I would love the team to do, really what I'm doing is I'm trading down, actually. that that, that If I was a general manager, I would trade for the, the fifth or sixth pick and a future first-round pick and an interesting young player. But I've, it's, I it's have so little faith that that's what the front office will do that I'm not even really entertaining the option, you know? So I'm not a big Paolo fan. That's why I'm not taking him three. If I'm the Rockets, I take Jaden Ivey. Okay. Because I just think Jaden Ivey could be a great defensive player. Yep. And he is so crazy athletic. 
and if you get him, you get rid of KPJ, which is like basically all I'm gunning for for the Rockets at this. At this point. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, but like, no, I'm just thinking like if you have a backcourt of Jaden Ivy and like Jalen Green, that's a dynamic backcourt that can create its own shot, can take turns as these like you know hyper athletic combo guards. Jalen Green isn't like he's a good shooter, right? Like he is a good shooter, so it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, well, like you know can either of them shoot threes? Like, I think you could just fucking blitz people with those two guys. And it would be like, no one can stay in front of either one of them. Like imagine having two of those guys and just have fun with it. Like, that's what I would do because if we go with the fourth pick, you know, you'd probably say Ivy, right? Yes, I would. Yeah. I would probably say Banchero. And it's just like, my issue with Banchero is very simple. It's just, he looks to me he like he won't have many physical advantages. He doesn't have a post game really. He d- isn't a great shooter. He is a pretty good handle. But without physical advantages, like a handle is only so is only so good. And his passing is pretty good, but it's like he's not a point guard, but like the appeal of him are the point guard skills and he can't cover centers. Right. Like, so it's just, I just don't, I just don't think Ben Caro's a player that like, you know, I was saying like, I like Chet, how like he covers up your deficiencies and you can kind of plug him next to anyone. Ben Caro feels like somewhere it's like you need a very specific team around him for it to all work. Similar to Zion Williamson. The difference is Zion Williamson is super fucking special. And Ben Caro is like, as you're saying, like, you know, He'll probably be a top 50 player, but he probably won't ever be a top 25 player, which means like, why take him that high? You know what concerns me? Uh, that I, he reminds me of the Brad Parker. That I think that's all I really need to say, you know, like, okay. Uh, clutch fans tweeted this out and, and I thought it was a good tweet. Like how many superstar players are not great three point shooters and they're not great defenders. Like, it's pretty rare. Those are kind of the two most foundational skills and then everything else builds outwards. Right. And you don't need to be elite. Like, you know, three and D players are role players. Yes. But most superstars are good at at least one of those things. And just also shot creating ball handling, playmaking, whatever. Right. So he's got that stuff, but he can't really shoot threes and he doesn't really seem like he can defend. So it's like, is he going to be that great at like getting to the hole and creating for himself and others that it's not going to matter? It's, this I, seems unlikely, right? And I, and I don't think so. Cause he doesn't have any physical advantages for an NBA player. He's someone when you watch yeah. in college, people are like, Oh, he's so good. I'm like, dude, like he's just bigger and stronger than these guys. But at the NBA guys are going to be as big as him and as strong as him. Yeah. And like, and like the question is, it's like, well, is he going to get more explosive? Right. And like, I, I don't know. Cause if you look at his body, you go, how much more explosive can he really get? If he's not already like it's, I don't want to say like his body is done, but he looks like someone who's like physically much more mature than a lot of these other prospects. And maybe that's just because he'll be like a fucking Hulk at his peak. But then if he's that big, like, is he going to be quick? Is he going to be explosive? Like, is he just going to end up being like, it, it, I don't know. There's to me, he just seems like a worse version of like DeMarcus Cousins mixed with Julius Randle. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like those guys, those guys don't get you very far. 
Yeah, Boogie was robbed of his prime a little bit, but uh, that's I, I feel what you're saying more generally anyway. Yeah, let's move on to the real meat of the discussion, though, man. The fifth overall pick. Yes. And what do you do? Well, you ask me because that's the format here. What, James, if you're the Houston Rockets general manager, Raphael Stone, and you get the fifth pick because the lottery gods are against you, what do you do? Yeah, so, I mean, this is, first of all, it really depends whether Shaden Sharp is declaring, and and, and it's hard to project what might happen without knowing that because I'm taking Shaden Sharp for sure uh, if, if if he's in the draft. Like, I know that a lot of guys dominate high school and then they get to the college and NBA level and there's a little bit of fool's gold involved, but he has flashed, like, some pretty crazy potential. And, and I, I, I would take him as a pure upside grab because there aren't a lot of players in this draft with star potential outside of that range, right? Um, and that's why if we assume that Sharp is not declaring, I hope that the Rockets think, at least think outside the box. I, I, I guess the consensus picks right now would be either like Keegan Murray, Jalen Duran or Adrian Griffin Jr., right? Like, none of those guys move me all that much. I do like Keegan Murray's game, but in fact, right now, based on my limited knowledge, I would probably take Keegan Murray. But I hope that they will look at some guys that aren't expected to go in this range, like Jeremy Sochan, see if they particularly like him. He's got a lot of defensive potential. Or Terry Eason. Or, like, uh, I'm blanking on names right now. Those two guys in particular, you know, uh, maybe Ty Ty Washington even. Like, he, he looks like he could be a pretty good guard. No, maybe not Ty Ty Washington so much, but like I just I just hope they're willing to think outside the box if they have the fifth pick because it's a four man draft, right? Assuming Sharp's not declaring, there are four players. Like we all know who the top four is going to be, right? Sharp, no Sharp, those are going to be the top four. So when you draft outside of that range, I think it's prudent to think outside the box. Like the Raptors taking Scotty Barnes was genius, right? Uh, the Thunder taking Josh Gaudet was a really good move. And then that came way out of nowhere. He was looking more like the 10th or 11th pick, uh, but they, 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 they trusted their scouting and they trusted their instincts and, and it paid off. So I'm not even saying like go draft Jeremy Sochan with the fifth overall pick. I'm just saying, I, I, I hope they consider doing something that kind of, you know, drops jaws a little bit. Yeah. So I think, they should take shade and sharp and I don't think they need to use the fifth pick. So what I would do is honestly, I think they should just trade back because if you want to think outside the box, trading back, getting an extra pick, something like that, maybe it can help you move up in another draft, you know, or whatever. I think they should trade back if they get the fifth pick and, you know, cause there's like three guys that are kind of in that five, six, seven range where it's like, whichever one you like more, you know, if you trade back, you probably could still get one of them. And if the real question is where would shade and sharp go if he declares, because I do agree a hundred percent that if they get the fifth pick, that's the guy that they should target, but I don't think you would necessarily need the fifth pick. So well, you'd have to have some Intel, I guess, but also my whole rant was on the assumption that he doesn't declare. Yeah. And like, I, I, but I do agree. That's like, he, he's the guy that I would want. But depending on like who you trade that fifth pick to, you can kind of, you know, you basically guarantee that they're not going to select him. Right. And I think that that's what I would do if he does declare. 
I don't know. Like I would just trade out of it and see if I couldn't get another pick. Right. Or, or something because Keegan Murray, like he could be good, but like, why do you want that? If you're the Rockets right now, like what does he really do? Jalen Duran. I think for instance, like, I think there'll be a Jalen Duran like prospect next year. And the year after that, like, I think there'll be a guy that like, we, we can be just as excited about for a lot of similar reasons in a year or so. And so like, that's kind of how I view that situation with Duran. It's like, you know, very valuable type archetype, but just like, can't we find this guy in the next draft? Like there are really big athletic guys seemingly every year. Um, no like, it was, and like a Kai Jones last year, right? Like, you know, didn't shoot up draft boards like Duran, but like, similar types of dudes that maybe you could get with a later pick because you got to remember the higher you pick a guy, the more you have to pay them. Yeah. Let, let me say a couple of things before we, we, we should take it home, but I, I got to get these thoughts off though. <laughs> um, first of all, what I like about Murray is I, I take Keegan Murray operating under the assumption that like we suck again next year. Right. Because then when it's time to get good, like he boosts you instantly. Like I, to me, he's a real connective player, you know? So like we're probably trash next year, but if, you know, it requires a lot of luck, but if we were to land Victor Wembanyama or Scoot Henderson, he instantly elevates those guys. He's one of those players. So I like him from that perspective. Um, second thing I want to say is this. This is sort of a broader idea that I have about, like, knowledge and the truth, okay? And, and trying to discern the truth. When there is a widespread consensus, you should be more apprehensive to go against it in a sense like if everybody thinks something it increases the probability that it's uh right you know i could try to tell you that the sky is green but everybody thinks the sky is blue it's probably blue you know on the other hand when there's less consensus it increases the room for critical thinking you know what i'm saying so if we're drafting fifth and there's no shade and sharp like the rule book goes out the window because there's no consensus fifth overall pick right whereas there's a yeah. consensus top four you can go ahead and take fucking you know uh yannick noza with the fourth overall pick if you want but it makes you a crackpot you know at at five you could take a lot of guys i i, I think if if you know well, that, adam that's, silver that's, gets up there and says the fifth overall pick is Terry Eason. Uh, to me, I'm going to feel like that team probably saw something, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I actually like, but that's my point. It's like, I like him and I don't think you'd need the fifth pick to get him. Like, that's why I'm saying trade back because I a hundred percent agree with what you're saying. It's just like, it is all based upon your Intel, what you think, what, you know, other people think. If you see a guy that you're like, you know, we would take him with the fifth pick, but we won't, we won't need to do that yeah you fucking run a risk but yeah you're right, right. Like, yeah you're right fucking do that like i i by the i'm telling you it's like remember uh remember the the luka Doncic pick right he was picked third by the hawks trey young was f- selected fifth fifth by the mavericks and they flipped him that fucking means someone didn't take trey young at four when that was obviously ended up being the best player. I think it was what Josh Jackson, who basically. Yeah, I think so. Now, right. So it's like teams kind of like, you know, Dallas and Atlanta made that trade. Like they knew what was going to happen. Right. So these teams know by draft day, usually that high up, they kind of have a, a good sense of who is going to take who. 
in that direct proximity, especially in the first five, 10 picks, five, 10 pick range. So that's the only reason why I would say trade back because you probably know who you can get if you like go from five to seven and pick up like a pretty good second rounder, right? Like if you get the team with the seventh pick, second round pick, that's like the 37th pick. That's a good pick. That's not like the 55th pick. You get that and the seventh pick, you get the guy you want. You get someone that's interesting. You put on your G league team, right? Like, man, I I like what you're saying there, especially because there are actually two centers specifically that I like who are likely to be second round picks. Like I like them in the sense that they at least fit the archetype of a rim protector. And like, I would love to take a gamble on either of them. Uh, Yannick Noza, who I referenced already. And, uh, I don't know how to say the other guy's name, but it's like, oh man, hold on. Bozzi? Uh, ba- What's that? Is Nosa Belgian? I think he is, uh, and I think he's born in Africa and, and he's an uh, immigrant in Europe. He's Congolese. Uh, oh, yeah, that, that make it likely that he is uh, Belgian. If he, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. True enough. Yeah. I think he, I think he might be, he's interesting, man. He like, you probably know this, but six, seven months ago, he was a lottery pick. He was perceived as a lottery pick, but he is truly atrocious on offense. I've watched enough tape to say that like he can barely catch the ball. Right. But man, he, he's got a lot of potential on defense. Uh, I'm trying to find the name of the other guy. Uh, Ibu Baji. Possibly, he plays oh, for FC gotta, Barcelona. You gotta find prospects with names you can pronounce. Yeah, well, I'll figure it out if he gets on the team. You know, uh, Abu Baji plays for FC Barcelona. Uh, also likely to go undrafted, but the, the he's you know he moves his feet well for a seven footer, and and like you know some of these guys are worth the flyer. So I I, I like yeah. the idea of trying to buy a second round pick. Yeah, but that that's kind of what I feel is like I agree with you. It's like if you get the fifth pick unless the guy that you want, you know, is not going to be there after five, if you trade off of it, move back get the guy you want and maybe get something else because you got to remember they gave up a pick to get Shingun. Yeah. Right. Like they like, you know, it wasn't their pick, but they gave up a pick. They're not going to have their own pick next, uh, not in two years. Right. So like there's a reason to get another pick. And the other thing is like, Rockets fans forget like the Nets deal netted them a bunch of pick swaps, right? Like there is a very low probability that any of those pick swaps, they activate anytime soon. Yeah. Right. Like now that I think about it, like if, when they don't have their pick, can they even pick swap? Right. Like, you know, and so that's what I'm saying. She's like, add a few trade back, add a few extra resources and get the guy that maybe you want. But at the end of the day, I think we both agree. If Shaden Sharp has declared, that's the guy they should target. Yes, I agree. Yeah. It's just, he's, he's a mystery box. And there's a chance that if he had played this year, he's number one. His athletic gifts are, are, are pretty ridiculous, man. So. And he's Canadian, right? Like you need that. You need that connection. You need the Canadian connection to Houston. That's let's, wrap, let's wrap it up, man. Let's wrap it up. Okay, that's no, the end of the Rockets on. roundup. Me and James would make a great GM pairing. Hell yeah. We, we, would, we would lead the Rockets back to the play-in tournament. Actually, the play-in tournament for the first time in franchise history. That's how good we would be. We'd get them there. I can guarantee you that much. All right. That brings an end to episode 14 of above the break sunshine bullshit and king's ransomware because 
I love bad puns. If you like this episode, rate, review, like, subscribe. As always, this is Nevin Brown. I'm joined by James Piercy. All right, James, you have any more Dream Shake stuff to plug before I say my parting word? No, just go read the Dream Shake. That's all. Do it. Go read it. It's not complicated. Yeah, no, come on. Check out the Dream Shake, fools. All right. Check out Space City Scoop if you've read all the Dream Shake articles. That'd be good. All right. We'll be back next week and peace. Peace.